I'm Gab, he's Jules, Blue Skies over West London. Uh, what a what a show, what a midweek. Oh, made incredible. Me, made me so forget much going on. All about events at the weekend. Oh, so, I'm so, so sorry. No, no, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm, good. I'm good. I'm good. Happy for Andy. Uh let's move on to more important stuff because with a Champions League return, yes. uh defeats for both English clubs at a time when everybody talks about the English dominance. We need a super league. Yeah. Hey, come on, let's chill a little. Let's worry when they start winning on the pitch. But I think we have to start with Arsenal. Of course. We have to start with Arsenal. Arsenal, Manchester City, top of the table clash. Um, I don't quite understand or follow for those people who live in the United Kingdom like we do. I know they make a ton of money, the Premier League, and they're really smart with their broadcasting rights. I thought this was demented. I know the game's been rescheduled, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But they put it on a streaming service, um, totally out of context. Right. Highlight show. It was their rights. They don't. Don't. <laughs> but don't. they don't have the like, choice. Like, think about it. They don't have the choice. No, they have a choice when they sign the contracts. They have a choice. They have get outs, whatever. Like, you know, getting 10 more ducats in exchange for, 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 for putting it on. Ah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. Okay. I, I wanted to watch it the way God intended um, on, on a reliable. Not, I'm not going to do streaming services because we go and we, we might go yeah. on one day. But I, this was just, it just felt weird. But hey, maybe I'm old. Let's talk about the game though because there's a lot of build up to it. Mm. Um, my view is that the worst possible thing for Arsenal, it's not so much they have a game in hand, right? Yeah. Would have been the kind of defeat where City wiped the floor with them. Any other result, even a narrow defeat, is fine. Yeah. Instead, we got something different. It finishes 3-1. The goals are all down to individual mistakes, really bad individual mistakes, I thought, from, yeah. from Arsenal. And I'm wondering, is that better or worse than being comprehensively outplayed for 90 minutes? I think it's, it's good not to be outplayed by City and to show that you can compete to have the first half that Arsenal had and even Pep at the end recognised how good Arsenal were in the first half I think Pep got it wrong again I don't think that back three would never work in a game like this I'm, I was baffled to think that Pep could think this is a good idea to play just with three defenders who's three plus Bernardo Silva yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly, you said it exactly. But still, Arsenal were great in the first half and Arsenal still have a big chance with Enketia on the Tomiyasu cross at 1-1 to go 2-1 up. You know, even when City were playing better, when City were the better team after the, the, the change tactically and Akonji coming on. Uh, by the way, Mahrez. I don't even think that was Enketia's worst miss because the one, the, the, header? The, the, the header from the Zinchenko cross. In the first half, yeah, that one. Even I the mean, second header that he goes, like, you yeah. know. <laughs> But, but so Arsenal played well and I think there's a lot of positive. But yeah, it's a defeat that's going to hurt because you make mistakes. Tomiyasu, I mean, that, that back pass should have never happened. And he made one just before, not long before, that I think the Bruno spotted and the Bruno said, you know, if, if the ball goes back into the same position, he's going to do the same thing. And that's where the Bruno is so intelligent and so amazing. Gabriel is not the first time, unfortunately. But they will learn. It's a young team. This is the youngest team in the league. And yeah, at some okay. point, you play against a machine. Okay, I like the we, we you, you can pull out the you will learn stuff and it's fine when Arsenal are third or fourth in the table and they're growing and hey we're getting back to the Champions League. You can't pull the you will learn stuff. I think in a season in which you're competing for the title, why in a season where they've never been there before, but they're here now and they have. I a know, chance but City have won four of the last five. That's they, fine. They're more used to those kind of competitions and and. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not doubting that. But what I'm saying is. You have a sizable lead. You have a club in City, which for all the denials and Jock Cancelo denying it, 
clearly in turmoil between the the, the, the situation with the Premier League charges and yeah, whatever. Yeah. You had at one point, I think the lead was five points plus a game in hand, something like that. Yeah, right? even more, maybe. Even more. Yeah. I, all of this comes into it. Yeah, all, for all sure, of this for sure, can't. for sure. You can't be this close, and it's a season in which Chelsea and Liverpool haven't shown up. Yeah, right. Where United are rebuilding. Yeah. So you know, I'm not saying Arsenal aren't going to have another opportunity to win the title if they don't do it this year. Of course they will. Mm. But here and now, you know, it's got to weigh into your minds, and I hate the psychological aspect of it, but people will bring it up because I, I think psychology and mentality are often seriously overrated. I think there's a lot of quacks out. You know my thoughts on this, right? Um, but I think people are going to ask, what will the yeah. psychological impact of this be? I, and, and that's the right question, I think. And for me, the Villa game on Saturday is almost as important as the one on Wednesday against City. Not as important, but not far because... It's the reaction that they're going to bring now after the defeat against City that will, I think, shape the end of the, the second half of the season. If they don't win again for the fourth game in a row at Villa on Saturday, then I think you can say, OK, they, they're down now and I don't know how they're going to pick each other up. All right, we're going to get into Pep, but I want to stick with uh, Arsenal a little bit. I think we disagree. I, I thought in the second half, I know they, 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 they had the odd chance, but I thought that's when City really turned oh, it yeah, on. For and sure. they really City had trouble establishing yeah. themselves compared yeah, to the first half when they came out with so much confidence. I think at one point they had like, I think it was like 25 minutes in, they had 60% possession against City. So it looked and like they, they finished again the with 64%, the whole game. Right, but that's when they were coming back, right? But like... Yeah, but like, uh, you it, know. It felt like that confidence that was there. Did, did, did you sense it going away in the second half or was it just the mistakes or just like a kick in the privates? No, no, I just thought the second half... When City changed the shape and the formation, when Akanji came on for Mahrez, that changed the game, really. And I thought, it, it felt to me that Pep knew that Arsenal could not keep that intensity for 90 minutes. So in the last half hour of the game, you press in a more aggressive way. If you're City, you box Arsenal in and Arsenal struggled to get the ball back out. And yeah, there's the chance for, for Nketiah, there's the, the other header, but the City also had chances and they were, you could tell the Grealish goal was coming, I felt. Because, because I think City reacted really well in the second half and put Arsenal under so much pressure. Also because I think Arsenal likes sharpness and because they, they've been playing so many games because Arteta doesn't change the starting eleven because they don't have the same depth that City have, for example. We've talked about the depth um, on my way over here. Right? I, I took the bus here this morning nice. and we passed this big construction site where, where my mate works, who's a big Arsenal fan, and we always chit-chat. And he's very down on Nketiah. Yeah, he came back to something that he said, like, how do you not spend money on a center forward? Because maybe Nketiah, I know people are going to build, pull, point out the fact he scored nine goals and blah, blah, blah starts. But he's Eddie Nketiah, was, was the point that this guy said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. He said they should have signed Tammy Abraham. I'm like, yeah, I think Tammy Abraham, probably out of their, um, you know, out of their budget. But did they miss a trick there? I know, I know, I know we're second guessing, but is yeah. that, is, is that the move? But if you give if you give Nketiah a new deal last summer, then you you believe in him and you trust him and you believe in him as a backup center forward. Exactly, but then injuries happen. You're not going to buy a new player every time there's a, a player injured. So you know, so I yeah of course no of course he should have done better in that game against already against Brentford. 
there were signs that he looked tired. Uh, but maybe after not playing much at all until the Gabriel Jesus injury, so until the World Cup. Well rested. No, no, but it's not that. But then, then when you play every three days yeah. for two months, then maybe at some point, I, I don't you, know. It's really difficult, I think. It's not, it's not a fitness thing. It's a question of a mental sharpness. It's a mm. question of routine. It's a question yeah. of rhythm. We hear this all the time, right? I mean, he went, he plays every minute of every game and he never played before. Like that, that is yeah. an adjustment. Oh, and I think too often we don't, we don't recognize this. I, I wonder if in some games, again, hindsight's always 20, 20, Mikel, mm. but hey, that's what we do. Monday no, morning but quarterback. No, but I, I wonder if maybe he shouldn't have tried Martinelli through the middle, not necessarily in this game, no, but no, in no, other I mean, games, just to give us some variance, yeah. just to give him, just, just to give Nketiah um, maybe more of a yeah, more of a breather. Would you make a Georgie in his first big game? I like Jorginho, as you know, I'm a big fan. Uh, I think he always showed for the ball. I think he he showed tiredness in the second half, and rightly so. Again, I think, um, and <clears throat> but. He doesn't have the physical impact that party can have in the challenges, okay? But when you have 64% of the ball, I think he's very important to just link up everything. And I think he did that well, but he's, this is all new to him. He also needs a bit of time to yeah. get to know. But I like the way that he talked to everybody. I like the leadership. I think, again, I think it's a good signing, but this is a, this is a tough game to, to make your you first You are dropped start. in there. And I think also the teammates need to get used to him because... Yeah. I'm not sure Arsenal would have had that much possession if Thomas Partey had been in there. It just would have been a different, yeah, yeah, yeah. a different way of playing. Um, the individual mistakes, all right, the Zinchenko one, the, the Tomoyasu one, I can understand, right? I, I'm not justifying it. He's a professional. I should know better. But, you know, he mishits a pass, essentially, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure he missed, he, he mishit the pass. He makes a bad decision. Yeah, but he the made Zinchenko, the same decision a few minutes before. I... On that one, the De Bruyne goal, I thought there's not many players in the world who would get there think, I'm just going to dink this first time over the goalkeeper because it's not, it's not the safe option, right? You know Ramsdale's rushing out. You know the, the logical thing to do, I mean, you played at a higher level than I did, is take a touch and, and then, then you it. go really wide. He's De Bruyne. It doesn't know, matter how wide he is. He could score an Olympic goal every time he wants to. No, but then, but then you know, no, possibly. But can you just... But then it's not an obvious decision to do what he did. My, I don't know. I disagree. I think he was doing... I think, I, think I think it's obvious. The ball is there. He's dropping in front of him so well. And I know Ramsdale is there and he's on his left foot. But I think if he takes a touch, he goes even wider. The defenders are coming back. Then he then he has to probably cross. I don't think he can shoot from how wide it was. So I, no, I thought he was. He could have taken a touch inside. But it's still an amazing finish. It's a, it's, it's a ridiculous finish. Ridiculous. And weirdly, when I saw it again, I'm not even sure he hit it as cleanly as no, as he would have. I agree. I saw that um, But yeah, what a player! <laughs> and then even the assist, everything that he did in that game. Uh, when you when you sort of recenter him a bit like that, when he plays so high next to Haaland, I think that works and it gives you so much energy. The the Gabriel mistake, which led to the the, the Grealish goal. I mean, mm. there's still a little bit for them to do with with the three passes. That I take that in tandem with the one which where they got the penalty in the first half and then it was overturned yeah. because Haaland was offside because obviously they don't know he's offside at the time. You're still in the first half. You know that if you put, I mean, and obviously they were both pulling each other. That is a huge gamble to take. I'm not, I'm not suggesting, you know, you a foul starts outside the box. Once you start bodying him like that, if Holland goes down, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're at risk of either a penalty or a red card. 
right? It's really clumsy from Gabriel. It's not the first time. Neither is the mistake that, that leads to the second City goal. I know he's a ball-playing kind of centre-back, this, and this is what they ask him to do, and the high line, all of that. I just think that sometimes he loses a little bit of focus. And and you again, it's okay if you play against a, a, a team not as big as City. But against City, losing a ball like like Gabriel did on the halfway line pretty much, then then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be converted into a chance and potentially a goal. And there's, there's not many ways to beat City, a, a Guardiola City team. You need a bit of luck, maybe. Or you need to have just a perfect game. It, it being perfect is su- being super clinical in the one chance or maybe the two chances that you have. And then defensively, have almost a perfect game and hoping that they are li- a little bit off. Like, let's say like Spurs two weeks ago, for example. Just Arsenal were not like or, that. Or sometimes you can beat City because Pep beats himself, right? It's the old overthinking chestnut, yeah. which I'm not really on board with. I, I always kind of feel like, you know, he does this stuff to try to give himself an edge. But sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes I don't really understand it. Mm. I didn't understand the setup with a back three and Bernardo Silva mm, on the left. I don't. I don't understand. I mean, was he thinking that Tomoyasu was just going to be back, and so Bernardo Silva could maybe play make from there? I don't. Did, did you follow that? Did you, yeah, it's just after the. I think. I think what they what they tried to do was to. I mean, this formation with the back three is obviously excellent to press really high and have all those options with the ball. The problem is if you don't have the ball and if your press is inefficient like it was right. for the first half, then you're completely undone and you've, that forces Bernardo Silva to play as a left back. which Against is not, Saka. Exactly, which he's not comfortable with. And, that's and not that a good was matchup. terrible. But I, that's why I don't understand how Pep thought, yeah, let's go, let's go with... You know, Ake and Ruben Diaz and Walker, it's a great idea against a team like Arsenal at the Emirates. Maybe at the ATR would be a little bit different. And again, he worked against Aston Villa for City. It's not because he worked away for Aston, at home for Aston Villa, against Aston Villa, that he's going to work away at Arsenal. Well, I kind of feel we can't have it both ways in the sense that, you know, he, we accuse him of changing things and overthinking things. It was the same lineup against Villa, as you said. It yeah, was the same Arsenal personnel, except for uh, except for Ake. No, it was Ake, yeah, Ake, Ake for Laporte. Yeah. What gets me about it is you could tell in the first half that that it wasn't working. I mean, you you didn't have the ball. Yeah, and that's not a. I, I it took an hour to change it. Yeah, I thought it was going to change at halftime. I have to be honest. I wonder if he also stuck with it because somehow he thought it benefited Erling Holland and the service to Erling Holland. Did he come, almost kind of wanted to, you know, nip this Holland issue in the bud, as it were. Uh, in the end, the guy gets his goal. I think he's already scored more goals than... Was yeah, it? it's 26 now. It's, so it's more something than absurd, the, yeah, right? The last five or six goal scorers. Um, top, top but I, I wonder if that was a thing, if it, if it got to him. Because it li- did look like Holland got better service. Yeah, and it looked like the Brun was playing closer to Haaland, which I think helps in Gundogan as well. And I think this is a benefit, of course, if you play with just three defenders... Then that means you can have another option. So Bernardo Silva and Rodri can play, for example, as, as your two defensive midfielders, and that means Gundogan can play a bit higher up, and then De Bruyne can play higher. And of course, you have more support for Haaland. You still have the two wingers in Mares and Grealish, and that kind of front five, if you want, is is pretty scary. Plus Bernardo, because of the mobility and the energy can join in as well. And suddenly you've got a 3-1-6, a bit like what we saw with Bayern against PSG. And that's very appealing. If you have the ball and if you can press 
the oppositions and and recover the ball high. If the, if you're on on the back foot like Ars- like Arsenal put City on in the first half, if you're under pressure, then all that tactics is falling apart, and and yeah. that's 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 what happened. They were Unless. lucky City to score the first goal, and Arsenal could easily have scored more than one in the first half. It's a good point. I, because I mean, on paper, this team, just the fact that you have Holland, who is bigger, stronger, faster than anybody else, at least in that on, on that pitch, you could say, okay, it doesn't matter where I win the ball because two passes transition, release him into space, and then the defenders either you know get sent off or or he runs through mm. and scores. But that's not the city way of playing. That's not the Pep way of playing. And it's not really what they were trying to do in this game. No, this is this is this is a formation to have sixty five percent of the ball. Exactly. Like no. like again, like Bayern had Bayern played exactly the same way against PSG on Tuesday. They had sixty five in the first half and sixty in the second overall or something like that. But no, when you have thirty City had thirty six percent of the ball in that game, which is the lowest in any Guardiola team in in the history of his coaching. He never had so less of the ball than he had on Wednesday night. Which you don't need to have a lot of the ball as we know no, to win games, blah blah. But still, it's quite significant. And for me, he got it wrong tactically because the system that he set up his team with is a system to have a lot of the ball and they just didn't. So it didn't work. Okay. It could so, not work. So it's interesting. You're saying this. I, I, I kind of agree with your reading of, of the situation. I wonder what Pep is thinking right now because let's broaden out the background, right? So you, we've had the, he's been asked, and unfortunately, this is the way it works in this country, uh, with the media and, and the clubs, because it's a club's decision, it's a mm-hmm. club's PR department's decision, right? Bad things happen, bad accusations happen, and who talks about it? Is it the club? No, the club just get a bunch of water <laughs> yeah, to you put out a statement. That. I, know you I absolutely hate it. I know, I know. I, I, know. I don't want to hear I from understand. Pep on this, because Pep doesn't know. Yeah. And of course, what's Pep going to do? Pep go, and I'm talking about the, 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 the charges against Manchester United and whatever, Pep shouldn't have to go and explain it. Pep wasn't there when it happened. Nope. Pep is not an accountant, right? Nope. I, I, why not get Ferran Soriano to go and speak? Yeah. The man speaks English. I've heard him speak English, right? Yeah. Instead, you know, he, he, he hides in his little bunker and never speaks. Khaldun does one interview a year with that weirdo Lickspittle yeah. who, you know, who doesn't do, works for the club. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't. I'm with you. I, I'm with you completely. So it's not fair to Pep. No. And so in some ways, it's not fair to necessarily for us in the media to dissect what Pep says. When Pep comes out the way he did and says, I will always believe the club, I asked him, I'm not going to be their friend anymore and whatever, he's an employee. Yeah. You know, if, if the CEO of this company were to go and tell me something like, uh, like that, how am I going to go question it? Yeah. Right? I'm an employee, yeah, right? Uh, it's not a comfortable position. It puts Pep in a very no. difficult position because yeah. Pep people then ridicule Pep. Um, and that's not necessarily fair to him. I also feel, though, that, and this is why he seemed a lot, he seemed to me like he was very under pressure, like he might have gone and screwed this up. Because he said what he said, and then he made the, the comment about the Steve, about like, you know, the Steven Gerrard slip, and he tied it in. Yeah, but he's felt- saying that everything that happened in the Premier League is Manchester City's fault. Exactly. Including the slip from Gerrard, including, you know, like. Now, and then he felt the need to go and apologize to Steven Gerrard, to, to Steven Gerrard's wife and family. I when I first heard it, I'm like, is he being sarcastic again? Or like, so he was clearly very sarcastic on the first Gerald cover. The first time, yes. After that, do you think that he got a lot of slack, or he felt? I don't like- understand. I, I I think Steven Gerrard is a grown up, right? He slept. Mm. 
it probably didn't cost them the title directly if you go back and look at the situation of the yeah. points that's yeah. another kind of miss but was Steven Jarrett offended did he need an apology uh, I, I, I don't I know there was anything offensive about what Pep said and then but then of course he doesn't apologize to Daniel Levy where you know maybe that was actually a little more serious I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know like just move on dude I know. Like you said your piece. You've defended the club. You, you have to. You're an employee of the club. Maybe this is what you believe. You just don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you know what? Not only does he not know, I don't know. I can have suppositions yeah. based on the things. I, I've read the cast judgment. I've read the judgments or whatever. But a, a, a tribunal will determine this, right? So let's leave Pep to do his job. Oh. I mean, for me, frankly, I think it's a bad decision from City. I think they should have put somebody else out, out there. Right yeah, to maybe. go and address yeah, this, yeah, 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 he doesn't have to go into detail. I understand there's an ongoing case, right? But you can give the broad outlines and say, but, "Look, but, I've spoken." Yeah, no, it's Pep's true. not going to talk about it because okay. Pep wasn't here. Pep doesn't go and and deal with sponsorship contracts. But you know, or whatever. Pep could bury this on the first question, saying, "I wasn't here." You know, this is my like, a bit like what Xavi said about this this new affair with Barcelona and right. the vice president of the referendum. You know, Xavi said it was not it was before my time. I, I, I know anything. Pep could have said exactly the same. Exactly. And I don't think Pep be. I don't think Pep helped himself. It was very intense. And in a way, I love I love Pep's intensity on the pitch, off the pitch. I love it, and it should not change. But he could have also answered differently to those questions. I, I think the reason he did, I, you're 100% right. And it's easy for us to say that's what Pep should have done. Yeah, 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 of course. I think he didn't do it because he feels a responsibility. He so much believes in, in, in the team, uh, the, the community, the spirit. So he says, I'm going to take this on board. Yeah, but the Gerard comment is because he felt attacked. And I understand that he wants to defend his club and his people and his community. And I think that's great. But that was clearly like, you attacking us. You, you blaming us for everything. And but but that line was a bit like you know when you read it or when you heard it you must you felt like well that's a bit strange come on yeah no and maybe that's why I apologize I said like I'm not sure it was necessary but yeah. um it's it's his call uh, going forward do we see a do we see a better city do we see this as a turning point for city or are the fact that yeah they the, the fact that they had 36 percent possession the fact that they were gifted several goals. This this isn't necessarily the dominant city that we're used to. No, no, it's not. And we, I think we're still waiting for them to to peak this season, to really play well all together. You can have Haaland scoring three, of course. You can have a Mares, very good game. KDB now and again, of course, you can have that kind of stuff. But collectively, together, I guess maybe the first game against United when they really play them out of the park, and I think it was a very naive Ten Hag and United's performance. But apart from that, I think we've seen patches, and but not consistently all together having that really impressive display so that might come and it will come at the best time for them but this is when usually in the league the best time comes when they pull like 11 wins in a row or something like that crazy let's see if they do it Champions League is coming back for them next week let's see how they deal with that do you rest a few players against Forest at the weekend because then you play Leipzig do you do you like build on what we saw against Arsenal, go and smash Forest with your stronger eleven, and then go again against. Lab- It'd be interesting to see how they manage the next few games. But yeah, it looks like that win. Should imagine like mentally, it's a huge boost. All right, final question. Uh, I'm not going to make you pay the percentage game between Arsenal and City. I just it's 50-50 still. 50-50. 100%. So chances of Manchester United winning the title still zero. Yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Jules, Jules, on the record. Ah, okay, okay, okay. 40, 40, 40, 20. 
40, 40, oh 20, 45, 45, 10. 10% chance. Yeah, okay, maybe 20, 40, 40, 20, maybe. 20%. I don't know. Everyone's going to say something. I think it's a lot less. I think it's a lot less. Uh, (laughs) Hey, time will tell. All right, enough Arsenal, enough City. How about some quick hits instead? Oh, God. A goal from Paris, born, bred, and buttered Kingsley. Come on. Gives Bayern a 1 0 win over Paris Saint Germain at the Parc de Prince. Jules, your thoughts? Uh, one evening, Gabby was at the Parc de Prince. The atmosphere was amazing, to be fair. And then it was, the game was ex- exactly what I expected without Mbappé only on the bench because he was not fully fit. Oh, so you only had Neymar and Messi. But you can't attack, you can't attack with Neymar and Messi, though. There's no, there's, none of them is a centre-forward. You can't play against a team like Bayern like that because they put you under pressure. I thought the, the flat 4-4-2 from PSG was a mistake by Galtier. It was completely inoffensive. PSG had only one shot that was in the whole first half a block by the way a block free kick from Messi which is embarrassing really and to be fair watching that first half not that Bayern were great I think Bayern were average on the night they deserve to win yes uh, although PSG could have nicked to draw at the end but they were not that good uh, and yeah I thought PSG was embarrassing you can't set up to just defend. This is not what PSG do. I would rather you go and attack and try something, even if then you lose 2-0, you lose 2-1, 3-1, whatever, I don't care. But I don't. I was not happy. Once Kylian came on, of course, the game changed massively. And you know what? You could fear, you could fear the fear within Bayern when, when he came on. Nagelsmann was all agitated on the bench. Let's, let's do this, let's change that. Delir, you come in, you go on Neymar who went in as a number 10. And, and, at that same time, the stadium kind of erupted for Killian, and you can feel that PSG suddenly had hope. And he changed the game. He could have scored. He was really unlucky not to score twice. And he's the only hope we have for the second leg. And it's still a long okay. shot because Bayern are a huge favourite now to go through. But at least with Killian, something can happen at any time in the game and anything is possible. But before yeah, that... But, sorry, but... <laughs> collectively, we With Neymar and Messi, that's the whole point. Anything can happen at any point in the, the game. The three of them can't play well, together. I can't play well together. There's no it's more M M&M. There's no No, you can. They're just not gonna perform well. It's impossible. You can have two maybe together playing well. If you have Killian on his you own. Put together a team, right? And whether we can't blame Leonardo for everything because he's long gone, right? Yeah. How do you put it together a team with a budget of what, seven hundred, eight hundred million and they can't play well with I the three best players? With, with the, I mean, I know, I, I like, like to me, this goes a lot deeper. Yeah, yeah, right? for sure. It's, for it's sure. not just, it's, I mean, I think Gaultier said didn't, hasn't helped himself. I mean, he's helped himself recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why is it so terribly put together? I don't know. I think, I think mistakes with squad building goes not just right. back to the last transfer window, the one before, but yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and it's, some love for Bayern, though, because. This, this is a big win. It it's a big win. They didn't play well. No. It's a big win and come and score and, yeah, but it was it was too easy for them. Borussia Dortmund defeat Chelsea 1-0 as Karim Adeyemi turns on the afterburner. What a goal that was. Gab, two wins in 14. Now for Graham Potter. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, we know the situation with Graham Potter. We're going to say, oh, should he be sacked? Blah, blah, blah. It's a mess. I think it would be stupid to sack him because it's not going to make any kind of difference. Find yeah. out what he can do. Assess where you are and assess in the summer. Um there's a narrative to this game, which is, oh, Chelsea created all these chances. They should have spent money on a center forward. The XG is high. It's the XG is high. 2.3. Yeah, the XG is high. The XG is, XG is very high. I think it's also because Borussia Dortmund all, all often concede. However, the XG becomes very high in the second half. Yeah. 
True. In the first half, True. I thought Chelsea didn't show up. Other point, Potter came out and talked about the uh, Adeyemi goal, and he says he wasn't happy at all with the way they defended it. Now, all right, so we know Enzo's not going to catch Adeyemi, maybe 120 million. That's, there's no, that's always going to be a mismatch. Yeah. I did wonder, well, what struck me about that is, there's two things. One is, with hindsight, should Adeyemi just have bodied him at the halfway line? Should, should Enzo have? Oh, 100%. Because, you know what? 100%. They're, they're not going to send you off for that. No. They'll just pick up a card, right? But the other thing was, when they're all running back to goal, and Adeyemi's extremely fast, right? So you have Thiago Silva, the two guys who run back quickest, are Thiago Silva, who, whatever, he's 38, 39, yeah. used to be really fast, now he's older. But Mudrik, isn't Mudrik supposed to be the fastest things on, t- on, on two legs in Chelsea? <laughs> how does Adeyemi, with the ball, with the delay to get around Enzo and everything, how does he just, just so outrun Mudrik? That's what I don't get. Yeah, I mean, he's, there's a head start. There's a head start for Adeyemi. That's fine, yeah, yeah, he's no, running no, with no. the ball. I know, He's I know, not Mbappe, he's Adeyemi. There's not many touches, though. So Who won a foot race, Adeyemi against Mbappe? I think they're as fast as each other. I think it's 37, 36 key, key, yeah, wow. K per hour. Wild stuff. Meanwhile, Jules, you reported the top goalie, Nasser Al-Khalifi, met to discuss Neymar. I love this story. Tuesday <laughs> lunch in Paris, not, not far from the, the other Triumph, a very big hotel. It's easy for you to find it. Um, to me, not just to talk about Neymar, they did talk about Neymar, and we know that he was offered to Chelsea. ZH2 and the ECA and a lot of yeah. different things. But Neymar was um, maybe the biggest topic that they had. We know that Todd Brady kind of liked the idea maybe last summer, didn't happen. We know that Tuchel... Also, Lobby the summer before that. Let's see, but I think PSG were happy if they would find a club for Neymar. Yeah, well, they have the Ukrainian Neymar. Yeah. Might not get the real one. Real Madrid beat Elche 4 0, which I guess isn't really surprising. Gab, did you learn much? No, I learned very little. I learned that Kareem Benzema. No, Vinicius, can, by the way, suspended. Yeah, yeah well, but I learned Kareem Benzema can, can convert two penalties. Yeah. Um, nice to see Modric score. I, I think this is always going to be a foregone Elche conclusion so nice. coming after Elche. What, one one win this season? Yeah, is that yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, tough times for them. Still a long slog back up the table for La Liga, uh, for, for Real Madrid. Kylian Mbappe got many people excited oh, man. with an Instagram post referencing Manchester United, including Max, Marcus Rashford, apparently, or really? whoever handles his media account. Jules, what was he trying to say? Or was he even trying to I say? Mean, I don't know. This story is baffling me. Basically, he put a post on Instagram after the game. Uh, saying that everything is still possible in the PSG Bayern Munich tie and then the colors of PSG. And then the next thing I know, this is in French, next thing I know, someone pretends that if you translate that post, he mentions Manchester United in the post, which he never did in the first place. So we're like, someone must have photoshopped something. And so, then he so almost went viral. Somebody hit the translate button and then doctored added, the picture. Yeah. Added Manchester United. The name of Manchester United. So he felt like, you know, everything is possible. I could be joining Manchester United or the Qataris could go and buy Manchester United or whatever. And then Manchester United fans got carried away. Everybody got, I was like, what? What's going on here? Unless there's something else I missed, I just, which I don't think. Okay. And Kylian, you know, this is not, Kylian would not do that. <laughs> An early Milan goal gives them a 1 0 win over Tottenham. Gab, the three man back line is working. Uh, yeah, well, it worked against, uh, against Spurs. I think things were easier for Milan because obviously they without so Bentancourt, they scored early without Bentancourt and, yeah. and Hoiberg. It's a different Tottenham team. I think Son is still. You know, because we kind of saw bad son again. He still has to find his, his mojo, and it was all left to Harry Kane to go and do something. They had other chances to score uh, more later on. 
I, you know, you certainly don't go and celebrate now if you're Milan, especially because no. going forward, I thought they were actually not good at all, despite the chances that they created on the break and some of the sparks from, from Rafael Leal yeah, or whatever. Was, the dribbling um, was amazing. I think he did his most, most successful dribble in Champions League history or something like that. Ridiculous. He's a one-man highlight reel. Rafael yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once he gets and Malik Chiu as well. Very good from Malik Chiu at the back. Joe was, was, was tremendous. Really? I wonder what happens when, when, you know, when Tomori comes back and stuff. Yeah. Does he get back into the team even, even with, with a back three? Yeah. Um, for Spurs, I thought this was disappointing. I, I thought in terms of clear-cut chances, very, very few. Uh, and it can't all be on the two central midfielders who no, ultimately, they weren't terrible. Yeah, Stick wasn't terrible. Well. Saar played well, yeah. I thought. Saar, by the way, absolutely leathers the ball when he shoots yeah, it. Yeah, 20 years uh, of age. Let's not forget, you know. You know uh, something to look forward to. Scott Parker and Mr. Champions League, ah, Hans Van Aken. They're not enough for Bruges, who fall 2-0 at home to Benfica. Jules, they paid a dear price for some individual mistakes. Yeah, Otherwise, I mean, this game's a draw, right? No, I don't think so. I still think Benfica were a better team by far, and they created enough chances, even without the stupid penalty that Bruges gave away. And those kind of mistakes on the second goal as well, the way they lost the ball and David Neres scored. Even before that, I think there was enough for Benfica, who were way superior. I mean... Scott Parker since taking over is catastrophic and the team is catastrophic and they're far away from the form that saw them qualifying, you know, beating Porto away, 4-0, for example, in the group stages. It's not, it's not, that, it's not that team again. They lost it, a lot of confidence. Is he still wearing the weird cardigan? Uh, yeah, think. well, it was, yeah, it was, Okay. It was a similar kind of style that he had. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe he should start winning games. Maybe he about. and Julian Nagelsmann can go shopping together. Yeah, or, or the Nagelsmann was pretty, uh, like, you know, kind of <laughs> low down, uh, I thought, in Paris the other day. Cadena Ser in Spain have broken the story gap that between 2015 and 2018, Barcelona paid 1.4 million euros to a company linked to a man named Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera. Who is he, Gab, and why is this? He's very, very big. So he is a former referee. Yeah. Uh, he refereed from 1977 to 1992. Um, but then he moved into the refereeing committee of vice La Liga. Yeah. So vice president, where you actually have power over, over referees. Mm. Uh, Barcelona say, look, we did something that's totally normal. We hired this company, which is which includes former referees, so that we could get information um, that would help us technically about about the laws, about yeah, the tendencies of yeah, referees. Of course, it is said this is absolutely normal. Now I can tell you, this is not absolutely normal. No. There are companies who do this. There are I know one ex referee, for example, who who does this, who works for several clubs. He studies referees and referees of tendencies, yeah, or whatever. But he's That's not fine. the vice president of the referees association, <laughs> exactly. or whatever it is. He's not the vice president of the referees association, which is pretty important. Apparently, they've been doing this since two thousand three. Which now this all happened on the Bartomeo, so bad Bartomeo, Bartomeo's yeah. the devil. If they've been doing this since 2003, by the way, Laporta has been president, was president for some of those years as well. I, look, maybe it's not sinister. It certainly is improper in terms of appearance of, of impropriety. And what I find very serious is did, did, did the referee committee know that Nogueira was involved in this company? Mm. Because that is absolutely yeah. unethical and inappropriate. Yeah, unacceptable, yeah. The other thing is 1.4 million. I spoke to this former referee who does it for several teams. He said, 1.4 million over three years. Like, yeah. he's like, yeah, I don't get paid that. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, he said, like, maybe if I worked for 50 years, I would make that. Yeah. Like, it's just not worth that much exactly. money. Exactly. And that also does not reflect well uh, on the club. Yeah. 
Jules, this was back on Monday, but Liverpool won the Merseyside Derby, beating Everton 2-0. Are you seeing signs of life? Yes, I think so. Gab, very good. Maybe the, the best performance, certainly domestically, in, in the Champions League at times, they, they showed a bit, the show sign of their old self. But this, this was, this was, I, I thought, the best that they've done in the league. They were really, really good. They went for it. They created chances. The press worked better in midfield. You know, I don't like uh, uh, Jordan Henderson, but, and it still doesn't use the ball well enough, but certainly the energy that he brought, that leadership was great and, and they didn't concede. So Everton mm. were, I mean, who started the front? That Sims guy, Ellie Sims. I mean, so I, I know just with yeah, that. We, we need to remind yeah, ourselves that exactly. Everton sacked their manager. Exactly. They're, they're close to the relegation zone. They're coached by Sean Dyche. Either you turn this into like a physical battle straight away or they were not yeah. going to have a shot. And we've game. been burned before by Liverpool thinking, oh, they've turned a corner now. This yeah, is the exactly. turning And then after that. So exactly. let's see. Let's wait at Newcastle this weekend how they do. Lee Mason and John Brooks have been taken off VAR duty after their mishaps. Mishaps. Mishaps, sorry. This past weekend and the Premier League has publicly called out the PGMOL for some of these errors. What do you make of that, Cam? The PGMOL, PGMOL is the company that supplies uh, referees That's for Premier right, yeah. games. Um, Who apologize I, to Arsenal and... and yeah, I, I think this is the Howard Webb effect. I think this is Howard Webb who I have a lot of time for. I think yeah. he's, he was just a good referee. He's just a, he's a smart guy. He's a manager. He comes in and he realizes he's taken over uh, the referees and he says, you know what? If we make mistakes, let's admit it. If these guys are not good VARs, let's admit it. And I've said this all along. Being a video assistant referee and being a good referee on the page are two different that skill sets. Just because true. Lee Mason refereed in the Premier League for a million years does not make him a good video assistant referee. Uh, and I don't think he was that great a referee on the pitch either, but that's a, whole other, that's a whole other issue. They're, they're two completely different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, credit to, 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 to Howard Webb for doing it. Credit to the Premier League for saying this is not good enough. You know what? This is your chance to improve. Go out and improve. UEFA have released their independent report into events at last season's Champions League final, Jules. And guess what? They're taking a lot of the blame. Yeah, yeah. In terms of organization, uh, but also the, the French police, the French uh, French Federation, of course, who was also in charge of organizing that final. And remind everybody, it was a short notice because the final was moved away, of course, from St. Petersburg after the war to, to Paris. Still, we were there. It should have been much better. It was chaotic. The French trying to blame the Liverpool fans, saying that oh, without tickets, they, they tried to jump the fence. They were crushing people, pushing people, those hooligans, which was disgraceful. At least the truth is there. We knew the truth, yeah. but at least it's on, it's on paper black and white now. Important to have accountability. Yeah. Ramon Meneses is the new Brazil manager, but only on an interim basis. Gab, is this because they're waiting for a certain Italian lover of pork? Products? That is, of course, the big rumor. Carletto Ancelotti yeah. has been tapped for that. Um, I don't know. He's always very coy about it. Uh, a lot of his former players are, and current players, obviously, Vinicius and yeah. Militao, um, are part of the Brazil national side. They're supposedly pushing for him. I think he's open to it. Yeah, I think he's I open think to he it if it. Real Madrid decide to go in a different direction. Why yeah. not? The Qatar bid for Manchester United story rumbles on, Jules. Now, as far as I can tell... There's nothing new no. other than a lot of PR folk putting stories in the papers. Yep. Uh, there's a one story like, you know, imagine Mbappe at Old Trafford, a modern gleaming Old Trafford linked by some magical monorail, which all the Qataris are all going to build. Um, supposedly, they're going to make a formal bid this week. Yep. I don't know. 
Uh, I mean, certainly the, that deadline. The deadline is tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they have to be quick. <laughs> yeah. Other, otherwise, who knows? I know. You know? Um, what's, what's going on? What, 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 what I, I'm curious to know, especially given that, okay, they're all pretending like this has nothing to do with, uh, QSI, which owns. Yeah. Yeah. But we know this. We, we know that it is, it's not, you cannot have, I mean, this, this is Qatar, right? Yeah. And these are Qatar. This is a Qatari investment authority, which I believe is um, QIA. So QIA is different. Yeah, is, this, is their sovereign wealth fund? Yeah, right. So I'm sorry. Explain like one is Qatari sports investment. Isn't that linked to the Emir of Qatar? And to yeah, the it's family? linked to to their to their sovereign fund. Yeah, to the QIA. So well, so it is kind of the same thing. Yeah? Kind of, the Emir owns it all. Basically, the Emir was in Paris. For the game on Tuesday, who also uh, met the, the President Macron. I, I saw the picture of the Emir. It looked like, I just might have just been an unfortunate photograph, but check it out. It's online. It looks like he's like, there's a bunch of people in a box and he's like standing by himself in the back of it <laughs> as if like he couldn't so, find yeah, his seat. I didn't see. I, I, I'm sure it's a mistake. Maybe you arrived late. You know, <laughs> Maybe, sorry, yeah. your seat's taken. You, you can stand you in the are, back. You can stand at the back, you know, but don't, you know, be quiet. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen. And, and especially how UEFA will respond. Also, what we're being brief is that UEFA will be fine. You know, don't worry. They will be okay. They, they will give the green light for United to be bought by the Qataris. Hey, sorry, on this point, well, can, I, can I say something? Let's see. I, I've seen the story too. And, and I know, in fact, I know who's doing the briefing. Yeah, me too. It's nonsense. UEFA can't block this takeover. Let's the be takeover, very clear no. on this. All they can do is... If Manchester United and Paris Saint-Germain qualify for the same competition, they can analyze it and say, based on the rules, yeah. you can't both participate to the Champions League. Exactly. They can't block the, 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 the takeover. But we have to stop saying these stupid things just because some PR dude rings you up and tells you something. I know. I know. You know, UEFA are not the Premier League. You know, they say UEFA are not Roger Goodell. Well, they we don't have the right. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, don't have the power. In other takeover news, Gabi, uh, Jam Najafi, I'm hoping I'm saying that right, uh, who is a part owner of McLaren Formula One team, is reportedly putting together a bid for Tottenham, valuing the club at $3.5 billion. Does that make sense to you first? And then secondly, do you think that Joe Lewis and Daniel Levy are likely to accept? The club officially is not for sale, officially. Yeah, officially. officially. Right. Um, Look, I, Najafi, he's, I think he's, he's Phoenix based. He's Iranian American. Yeah. He's, he's got this involvement in F1. He is a football fan, supposedly. Um, he was at the stadium. We saw him at the stadium recently. I, Joe Lewis is 86 years old, right? He owns 70% of the club. I mean, I, I, I'm wondering from Joe Lewis's perspective, right? And I hope Joe Lewis lives to be 120 years old. But the yeah. reality is I'm already a billionaire. If I yeah. sell this club, I don't actually do anything at the club because Daniel Levy runs it all. Yeah. I just own it. Do I need these extra billion? What am I going to do? Buy more artwork to put on my yachts? Pass it uh, on to your family, you know, I, like no, charity. But, but I think the point is this is why they feel pretty confident that they can hold out for four and a half billion, which is the price supposedly Daniel Levy quoted. Um, I spoke to somebody recently who's very well informed on these things has looked at accounts of a lot of people as has Swiss Ramble he's got a good uh, yeah. really good piece out there on Tottenham's finances this is a really well run club and when people are asking oh why should Spurs be valued more than Chelsea Spurs have a giganto brilliant stadium amazing which Chelsea 
do not have no for starters yeah. i think spurs also have a bigger fan base even though less historic has success obviously in, in recent yeah, history yeah. and the training um, run very so very... i i think this kind of lays down a marker uh najafi i think would look for from what i understand he would look for additional investors as well uh, in, in terms of structuring the bid i don't think levy is under any pressure i think no. levy enjoys running spurs so for his bit he doesn't need to cash in a, his 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 slice he'd make a billion or whatever it is off yeah, it 10 percent he owns or something i think more than that um and joe lewis equally what are you gonna do yeah. like you know you can't take it with you joe you i know, know i know barcelona have got themselves a right back yeah. the, jewel, the julian araujo deal has finally gone through, Jules. Yeah. You're excited for your namesake. Yeah, yeah. it's another Julian and it's two Arojos than they have in their team. Uh, if, if this Why one... Why does it take two weeks? I don't know. I guess they had to review. Of, see, Barcelona appeal, remember, because they missed the deadline for the transfer for a few seconds. Uh, so they kind of appealed and, and I think a lot had to be taken in consideration to see if, if really there was a mistake or if it was just a kind of bad luck for, for, for three or four seconds. But he was training. At, he was he was in Barcelona training already, getting ready. Obviously, if you watch the LA Galaxies or MLS, you would have seen him play. He's a decent player uh, at, at a position where they needed someone anyway. So this could prove a very good signing for them and for him. It's a you know it's an incredible chance really to go and join that club. So so well done. Let's see let's see how much he plays to start. How much times he needs to well, adapt. He's going to compete for the position with a center back, a yep. left back. And a central midfielder. Okay, but a centre back. Oh, and really Junior well. Dest when he comes back next year. So you know. more natural. But Kunde has been doing really bad. So <laughs> if you're if you're the backup to Kunde and a more natural right back in a way more attacking yeah. maybe, then good, good for them. FIFA announced record revenues of nearly $8 billion, Gab. And Gianni Infantino gets himself a little present. A bonus of $1.8 million, bringing his total pay to $3.5 million. Dollars. Is it worth it, Gab? I mean, I think the way you have to look at this is if the FIFA president were not Gianni Infantino, yeah. if the FIFA president were, say, our producer, Freddie, yeah. right, who presumably would do the job for a lot less than $3.5 million. Just about. Would they still be able to sell the World Cup, sell all this money, uh, sell all this revenue and, uh, you know, get, get the broadcasting in, the commercial revenue? Would so they Gianni still- Infantino doesn't sell anything? No, he does. He negotiates the deals directly. Okay. But the question is, you know, could, could Freddie do as good a deal? People want to watch the World Cup. I, I think this is the logic, right? What I do know is a couple things about this. Um, first of all, if you compare him to the chief executive of certain big football clubs whose yeah. revenue is a lot less than $8 billion, um, Johnny Fantino is paid less than these people. Okay. Um, this is kind of the going rate for CEOs of a company that size. And secondly, let's just remind ourselves where, how far FIFA have come in the sense that they started publishing CEO pay since 2016 when Infantino was, was elected. So we know how much he makes. We found out how much his predecessor made in 2015 <laughs> when Seth Blatter was paid a bonus of $12 million. That's so, right. you know, people will always debate this. It's it's a ton of money, CEO yeah. pay. I think there's a lot of things that you can criticize Infantino for. I don't think his pay is one of them. No, I agree with you, actually. Many thought Jesse Marsh was going to be the next Southampton boss, but the deal is reportedly off, and the sticking point was the length of his contract. Does this make sense to you? I mean, I can understand why he wanted 
uh, a longer contract. This is fair enough. I can also see why Southampton were a bit uh, cautious in the sense that we don't want to commit too much, maybe. To be fair, I don't think this was a good opportunity for him in the first place. Really? I don't even understand why he thought, yeah, it's a good idea to go back straight in after what happened at Leeds and what, try to save Southampton. Take your time. Wait for the summer. You will have, we've, we've said it before, you said it, that Jesse Marsh would have other opportunities, offers from clubs in the top five leagues to go and kind of rebuild his reputation. I don't think Southampton would have helped him rebuilding his reputation so, at all. I think where Southampton are a little bit different and why they went for Jesse Marsh in the first place. Obviously, Rasmus Ankerson is a big data. Yeah, yeah no, no, of course. Guy, they know each other. But all, all these Red Bull alum, they all put up huge numbers no, no, in no, analytics, fair right? Enough. Um, now, whether that translates to success on the pitch depends to be seen, right? Because obviously things went badly for him at Leipzig and then, and then at Leeds. Um, but I also think if you're about analytics and they're so smart, they could also go to Jesse Marsh and say, Jesse, look, we calculate there's a, an 11% chance or 30%, whatever it is, chance that we stay up. We want you to be our coach next season in the championship if we go down. And you go, you present a deal, whatever, 18 months, two and a half years, whatever it is. And you say, Jesse, if we're in the Premier League, you get paid this much. If we go down, you get paid this much. Take it or leave it. In that context, if I'm Jesse Marsh, I would seriously consider it. Uh, I don't know that Southampton offered him this. Yeah. You know, if uh, reportedly it's six months, plus they would have the option to keep him. I would say, nah, screw your option. You know. So they I don't really want him. Otherwise, they would not give They don't want him. You said like, that, oh, yeah, he would fit well. Well, but that's the mistake not. because Jesse Marsh isn't necessarily going to come in and be a fireman and be the miracle worker who keeps you up by, by hook or by crook. He's not Sam Allardyce, right? No. And that's not the football they want to play either. But if you believe in him, you have to give him a, you have to give him a longer yeah. deal. Uh, exactly. You know, in, in this case, because of the, the profile of manager yeah. he is and because he fits what you want to do. Yeah. If you don't believe in him, then, well, Sean Dyche is taken. Maybe, again, maybe Big Sam's around. I don't know. Or, or Steve Bruce? <laughs> Steve How Bruce? Probably. I don't know what he's doing. Marshall Club. Leeds United have been told they will need to pay $6 million to Al Itihad if they want to get their manager, Nuno Espirito Santo. Remember him? Gab, why would they want Nuno in the first place anyway? This is a crazy story. I don't believe yeah. this a second. So I'm going to put out a story that if Leeds United want to hire producer Freddie as goalkeeping coach, they can pay the Gavin Jewel show yeah. one and a half million in compensation. Yeah, maybe okay? two even. No, hey, does this give me a headline too? I, like, I, Nuno would not be a fit. Nuno plus six million... Not a fit oh. either. It just makes no. But think, of, think of Nuno's football versus the football that they played under Marsh or Bielsa, but yeah. just the, the squad uh, that they've that they've assembled. This, hmm, I wonder, who is Nuno Espirito Santos's agent? I wonder. I wonder as well. Mm. Who? I mean, is, is who, who was he his first client? Yeah, exactly. His yeah, first yeah. ever. Come on, man. Like this yeah. is so. This is like, hey, how can I get this guy in the news? Oh, yeah, let's go. And I'm sure this is what his contract with Ali. I have no idea if Ali Tihad are, are, are doing well. I mean, if they're really if they like release close for Nuno, I mean, this is like... But it's probably not even the release. Clause. This is probably like the... In fact, I don't even know what it is because you're right. Like, I mean, I, this just makes zero sense to me. No but sense whatever. at all. Jules, speaking yeah. of zero sense, 
Let's have an update on your buddy, Noel Legrand. Yes, please. Because he's, I mean, nah, he's out. Let's be honest. Not officially out. He's not out. But Until he's out. He's, just when you think he's out, they pull him back true. in. Although we had finally the final version of the, you know, the investigation, let's call it like that, around the French Federation, on the Federation, the French Federation, and Legrand running it and running the Federation. And he's damning against him I mean it's uh, inappropriate behavior is the term that comes back the most saying that it's not legitimate to run the federation anymore inappropriate behavior we're talking about inappropriate behavior towards towards women and female employees and stuff like that right yeah like for example he would say to uh, a tall blonde lady oh my doctor just said that my health would be better if I had sex with a tall blonde lady and just right. and just think this is this is okay to say something like that to that person in front of that. All the messages they would send late at night, clearly some of them being drunk, saying, when are you coming over? Yeah, all that sort of like... When you're in a position of power and you have, you have agency over these people, you cannot say those things. If it's two consenting adults who are single and unattached and equal footing, maybe it's a different issue. But in this case, I mean, the story of the the, the agent that that he yeah, yeah, yeah. invited so to his apartment. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, All it, the sleaziness, everything like that. But but now he's not officially out because we wait for the uh, executive committee to basically meet up and said to him, listen, you need to resign. If you don't resign, we're all going to resign here, which means that there will be no exec committee anymore, no president. So then he can name rerun. a new exec committee. And but he's got no his... support anymore. There was a time where he was still protected by his people in the in the exec committee, and those people are not supporting him anymore. So it's the end. It has to be sure. the end of the road. So the exec committee can't. They can't actually re no. remove him. All they can do is force him to resign. All they can do is all, all of them resign, all 20 of them right. resign. And it says it's either us or him. That's yeah, exactly. all they can say. If you don't resign, we will all resign, which means that you will also have to resign. And then... Well, why does he need to resign if you don't resign? Can he just go on without an exec They can't committee? be on his own with no exec committee behind him. Have you checked the rules? Yeah, yeah that's Because he rules. sounds like, I, he sounds like, you know, like sort of some Kim Jong-un yeah, character. Even him, like, even him can't like, can't make that happen. So, right. like, you know. I'm really sense. hoping that now is the end of him and we can all move on. Next December's FIFA Club World Cup will be in Saudi Arabia, Gab. I guess you're not surprised? No, I'm not surprised at all. Look, I'm, I'm going to let you in a secret on the FIFA Club World Cup. There's a reason it's been in Morocco who bid for World Cups the, and have the spent a lot of money. No, uh, yeah, the weather. <laughs> the reason it's been in in the Gulf. Same reason it was in Japan before that. Uh, ultimately, these the FIFA Club World Cup has value for regions outside of Europe and South America where yeah. there is either a lot of money or where they want to uh, have a lot of investments. Right? I think it's everybody knows. Saudis are spending a ton of money across the board in many different things. And yeah. I chuck a lot of money at this and they're getting a Club World Cup. The interesting one is, I mean, as far as the Club World Cups are concerned, I know you and I watch it. Yeah. And we like it because we remember when we were kids and it meant yeah, something. Exactly. Um, Continental Cup. Exactly. But going forward, the next one that's really meaningful, if it happens, and Johnny Fatino announced yeah, it, that it has been approved. Baby. 2025. Yeah. U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Yeah. Warm-up trial for the World Cup. Yeah. 32 teams. 100 clubs. Oh, sorry, 32 clubs. Yeah. 32 clubs, 12 from Europe, 6 from South America, 4 each from CONCACAF, Africa, and Asia. Uh, uh, I think I want to cover that. Plus, uh, plus one from Oceania. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And to make it 32, they're going to have one club from the host nation, which 
Um, I mean, there's know. three host nations then. How'd you do it? I don't know. Maybe they <laughs> have a combined super club. Uh, oh my know. gosh, yeah. Maybe, and all star, North America. Maybe they won't have it in all three. Maybe they'll just have it in the US yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to simplify it. But look, it is what it is. This has not been approved. I think there's going to be a lot of chewing and throwing and battling yeah. over it. And the other thing is, I know it sounds like the most boring story in the world, but the clock is winding down on the FIFA match calendar, which is the master document that governs all football anywhere from league football yeah. to continental football. They Next have year. to reach an agreement. This is yeah. going to be a big bargaining chip. They have to reach an agreement because they need to sell the TV rights. Without it, they can't sell TV rights. Exactly. They don't sell TV rights. Nobody makes any money. Exactly. So this is, this, this is really important. It's important that they get this done. And I think this is going to be a bargaining chip um, in, in that broader uh, discussion. Nice, owned by our bright buddy, Sir Jim, yes. the man who's pretending Sir to Jim. buy Manchester United. Or maybe he's not. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, they're rather unhappy about the activities of one La uh, Lara Rokutso. Is that his name? Yeah. Uh, Jules, what did you do? I mean, one of, I'm one of the stories of the season, I have to say, in football, because uh, it turned out that a um, X-rated uh, film was, was made at the Nice Stadium, at the Allianz Rivera. I think film is a bit generous she has an only fans account yeah, right? yeah 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 but it's still it's still a she produces only fans content yeah but it's, it's still a pornographic movie that was made in the league and stadium and needs during a knees game in the toilet one, one of the toilets of the stadium so if you're niece right now you're not really happy that your name and your stadium is involved in one of those videos whether it's on OnlyFans or not, it doesn't matter so much. It's still, I mean, it's still an incredible story. So they've, they filed an official complaint. Um, Ross Barkley and Casper Schmeichel are not in the video. No, there's no, none this. of the Nice okay. players, as much as, as far as I know. Uh, neither is Sir Jim, just to be clear. And neither is Sir Jim. Bianco came out and announced that he's gay on Monday, Gab. What makes his case different from other active male footballers that have come out, who have come out? So I'm, I think I'm pretty sure in saying, as far as unless there's somebody at, at the professional level, there's still only three, not ya, uh, including Jakub Yanto, yeah, yeah, who have come out while they're still playing. Now, yeah. one was long, long time ago, did not end well. That was obviously Justin Fashionu. Yeah. Um, the other one was Josh Cavallo in, in, Australia. in Australia. But yeah. the problem is nobody knows who Josh Cavallo is apart yeah. from his immediate uh, relatives and fans of the A-League. Jakub Yanto. He's got 45 caps for the Czech Republic. He's 27 he years old. Yeah, yeah. He's played for a long time in Serie A yeah. and in La Liga. Now he's back home. Jakub Janto is also is also a dad, which is a different dynamic for from a lot of people that from a lot of the preconceptions that people have. Yeah. Obviously, there's been overwhelming show of of, of support. Um, I think that's really that's really encouraging. I think he's on it loan is. now at Sparta Prague. Yes, he may go back to Getafe in in La Liga, but you know. <laughs> And this is a serious footballer. Like I'm not saying the other ones aren't serious footballers, but this is a pretty high-profile yeah. guy. Uh, look, I think the goal for everybody is just to make the sport welcome and have it to the point where nobody's gonna. This won't make news. No, uh, we're not I, there yet. So it's yeah. important that he came out and important he got the support, and he also got the the, the support from uh, the mother of his child as well, which yeah. I think is also uh, a big part of of this story. Yeah. Jules, that brings us to an end. Ah, oh. uh, but. I'm going to go and go away again. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but I will leave you in the capable hands of Nate Manua. That's right. How about yeah, that? That's uh, for right. next Monday's Monday. show. Yeah. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself.